Coming up on Being Rad. Creativity is what's gonna get us out of our current situation. Social media has destroyed our sense of self. The moments in my life that have been the darkest have been the times when I've not been creative enough. Hello and welcome to Being Rad with me, Robert Alexander Duran. Today I have author, TEDx speaker and coach, Michelle Vanderpass. Michelle, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. You have such great energy. I love it. To start things off with a bang, what is one thing that you would tell everyone that they could do that they probably aren't doing now that would change their life instantly? So you gave me like a 10 second warning or something for this question, like no time to think about it. And so I'm going with my gut. I'm going with what I really... That's probably the best thing to do. And I, and I think what the world needs and what we need individually to change the world and change our lives is to give ourselves permission to be overly creative, to be outside of the box, to be exactly who we are. And that feels so cliche these days, but creativity, creativity is what's going to get us out of our current situation, which seems a little crazy right now around the world, right? And the creativity is what gives us inner peace, gives us purpose for our lives, lets us know we're on the right track. And so if there's anything that we could each do for ourselves and for the world is to get in touch with that. And that might mean something really simple, like cooking something really different for dinner, uh, take up crocheting or music, but it could just be really simple things like coloring or watching something different than you normally watch, right? Just getting outside of your box and seeing the world in a different way. I love that. What an answer. Not what I expected either. And I can attest to that as well. Yeah. The moments in my life that have been the darkest have been the times when I've not been creative enough. Mm-hmm. And whether it's playing guitar, as you can see, Yeah, creating videos or being creative in general that's when the dark cloud of like depression takes its hold and being creative has always been a way of overcoming that at least for me so right well great answer that leads me nicely into tell me about your journey and your what you've done creatively and how you're using that creativity to have a positive impact to this day. Ha, <laughs> okay, so I've lived a long time, so that could be a really long answer. <laughs> However, um, really, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, and so I help other people who want to run businesses, start businesses, be, be entrepreneurs, or just have side hustles, right? Any of it, but get out there and what I would call live their purpose to help the world, right? to do something that's inside of them and get it out there. So I've been doing this my whole adult life. I was consulting and coaching when I was younger, helping other people market themselves, learning how to market their business. I came from marketing sales background. Uh, 25 years ago, I published my first book. And in the process of publishing my marketing book, which was to help other people on their marketing journey, right? It's the same thing, it's all the same umbrella. Uh, I then 
I started helping people learn how to write and publish. And then that morphed into the publishing company that I have today and the coaching consulting company I have today. And all of that has been creative. However, in order for my publishing company to do well or for me to come to the table with my clients with my own intuition, I also have to do creative things. For me, that means walking, which doesn't sound creative, but it is. It taps into that creative place. I have done lots of things. I've done art. I've picked up piano. I have tried cooking in new ways. All those things that have absolutely nothing to do with how I make my living, nothing to do with my work in the world, and everything to do with when I stay creative, it keeps my intuition flowing which then helps my business. Amazing. So how did you get into the publishing world? You said that that you had your first book that was based around marketing. A lot of people would have stopped there, surely. They'd gone, done a book, job done. Now back to my usual thing. How did you end up going down that avenue of having a whole publishing company? Because that's quite a a a tangent. Yeah, it seems like a tangent, but it's not actually. It's when I was teaching other people how to market their business, and then I wrote a book about marketing. And then I realized that a book can be a marketing tool for your business. That's really what I learned, right? Um, I knew that when I wrote my book about marketing, but then it just morphed into, okay, I wrote a book. I'm going to help you market. Here's how you can also write a book to help you market your business writing your expertise, your legacy, your um, inspiration for the world, writing all that. This is a long time ago, 25 years ago. And so I helped thousands of people over, you know, 15 years write published books through group programs, private programs, one-to-one, all, all radio shows. It was all kinds of ways, workshops, webinars, before there were webinars, right? All of those things, and then and then I would help them publish, help them self-publish. Vanity publish is what it was called back then, right? I learned how to print, all of those things, and then you know it's almost like one day I woke up and went, well, I need to like start my own publishing company because I've helped all these people, and so it just morphed into that and had the company now with a another co-founder for about eight years and um, published you know, 150 books um, through our company and helped another couple hundred people through consulting and coaching. So it really just morphed and I see it as the same umbrella. I'm still helping other people market themselves. I'm still helping other people figure out how they can go live their best purposeful life out into the world through business, through entrepreneurship. Amazing. And what is your mantra? I believe it's don't die with the book inside you. Yeah, don't die with your book inside you. Talk to me about that. Well, if you are called, if you if you have any sense that you have a book inside you, but this is anything. If you have a longing to play guitar, you have a longing to write a book someday. If you yearn to go travel someday, all of those things are prods from your soul or prodding from your inner self to that you want to do these things. And if you do, that's enough reason to do it. 
doesn't mean you're going to be the best at it. Like I suck at playing piano. Doesn't mean I should quit. Just means I should do it for fun, right? So doesn't mean you're going to be the best at it, but also don't beat yourself up because you're not the best and not do it, right? So if you have this thought that someday you want to write a book and someday write a book, just let go of all those expectations about what's supposed to happen. Maybe you're writing the book for you. Maybe you're writing the book for the hundred thousand people that are going to get value from the book. Maybe the book will be an international bestseller. Maybe it won't. Maybe it's for your family. Maybe it's your legacy. You don't need to know those answers yet. We often don't start things because we have expectation about how it's supposed to end up. And when we can let go of expectation and just follow our inner prodding, things unfold much better, I find. Do you ever find that anyone that you work with writes their first book and it's like, good, you've done your first book, and then they go on to do more books, but because they've gone through the process already, the subsequent books are more successful. When I say successful, I mean sell more. Yeah, always. Second book's always better than a first book. Third book's always better than the second book. Uh, and it, I mean, that's not, that's a generalization, right? Obviously, if we're talking about movies, everyone says, oh, the first one was so much better. It's a generalization. But usually, the first book helps us internalize what we really want to stand for in the world. And I'm looking nonfiction. Helps us really sort through our feelings about what we want to say, what we want to put down on paper, what we really believe, what we really want to teach and inspire others about. It helps us sort through our internal knowing of who we are, where we came from, and what we're going to put down in writing. And we can take any kind of writing and make it great. That's what editing is for, right? We can really help polish books really well. But once you've done all that inner work and you hear about people saying, I lost my first manuscript, you know, my computer blew up and I forgot to save a copy or it burned up in the fire or it was so bad, I just trashed it. And then I wrote my second book and it was so much better, right? Uh, All that work that goes into this first book about understanding who you are, when you've done that and then you start writing and digging deep, then you get to the next level of goal. You get to the next level of who you are and what's your now you're going to put out. And so whether you write that first book or publish that first book, once you've done that inner work, however that is, the second round is always better. So that could be content, a podcast, videos, you know, whatever it is. Once you've done that inner work around the first thing, the second one's usually better. It's usually yeah. clearer to you and to your audience. Or more refined, right? I think like the uh, with like films, the sequels are always worse. Albums from bands, the first albums like generally a lot better than the ones afterwards, as a generalization. But that I I've found like that's the reason I think that is is like if you're a band, you've got say five years or so from starting the band before you get discovered and you release your first album. So you've got all that time writing to come up with some really good stuff for your first album. And then that blows up. The second album or film, the the record company is like, we need more. 
right and then you're writing for the wrong reasons right whereas like when people go into writing their first book i imagine they're starting that process of trying to come up with things for that book and they haven't been trying to write it for the last five years like you would be writing an album in a band do you think that's where writing a, a book would be different to music and film so i think any creative project has its own timeline and the more we tap into our creativity the more content we can put out hmm. so what happens for some people is they put out a book or they put out an album or whatever and then someone's telling them oh hurry hurry you need to get the next one out and that as you're saying doesn't come from a place of creative inspiration it comes from a place of head comes from a place your money comes from a place of someone else telling you what you need to do and if you can tap back into that creative well in your own intuition then you might be able to put it out quickly or you might not but you follow then you're calling it creative inspiration and hopefully it's good it'll be different than the first one different but that's okay it's okay so you know I, I may not know the exact answer you're looking for but I think it always goes back to being aligned with our own internal creativity and it, you know that's work and sometimes some years comes easier than other years for all of us I think yeah for sure and just to go back to what you were saying about um, how people have lost a whole manuscript. I've never written a book, disclaimer. Yet. But I've, yet. I might not die with one inside me. But I've edited a lot of videos. Yeah. And there's been several. Well, back in the day before autosave was what it is now. Right. I lost many projects 10 years ago or so. And then when you go back in to redo it, it's a whole lot easier because you've already got an idea of where you're trying to go. Right. I think that's probably similar to the writing process, right? It is. And um, I think that's a good way to put it. People who've lost their manuscript have to detach from whatever it was. And now you can sit sit down and write from a blank slate or you just start again and write from a blank slate and it's fresher. But you've also gotten all that top of mind stuff out. All the things that you think you should say are all gone now. And then you get to stuff underneath. That's where the that's where the gold is. It's harder to get there, but that's where the gold is. Yeah, for sure. So in terms of marketing, book can be a great asset. It can. How do you feel books and video work together? And what do you prefer at this moment in time? I so hate this question. So <laughs> here's why. Um, I think we're all losing the art of reading. Although everybody I talk to still reads, most of us don't read as much as we did a decade ago. No. So even though I read a lot, I don't read as much as I did a decade ago. I'm much more likely to sit down and binge something on Netflix than a decade ago I was reading a I think that has um, hampered our own imagination some because when you're reading, it is all in the imagination. Having said that, a video opens up a new world and a new way to connect with people. And I don't know how they work together. I think that's an interesting question. I don't know how they work together. Most successful marketers do a little bit of everything. 
audio, video, written content, but that's because we consume differently. Some of us prefer video, some of us prefer audio, some of us prefer written content, right? And so from a marketing perspective, if you have the bandwidth to do all different kinds of marketing, you're going to hit a bigger audience. Not every small business owner has the bandwidth to do everything. They, they just don't have the people. They don't have the understanding. And so you have mentioned a couple of times, you do a lot of video and you don't have a book yet, right? So you would need to look at, would it serve me to add written content for my audience? And do I have the bandwidth? Is this the time of my life right now where I'm going to go write? I'm going to hire a blogger. I'm going to take all my videos and transcribe them, right? So you get to look at that from a marketing perspective. I do know that we have played quite a bit with QR codes inside books that lead to video and having additional courses attached to books or video courses. And I, I must say that that didn't take off like I thought they would. So what that tells me is the people who are reading don't necessarily want to go to the adjunct video course. They'd rather have a workbook, I think. They don't want the reading flow to be interrupted, possibly. Possibly, right? Because I thought that was going to be more successful. And we did quite a few books. The end of the chapter, here's the QR code, go to the accompanying video. So we did do what you're talking about. But I can't say that it really worked as well as we thought it. Interesting. Yeah. You've got me thinking about writing a book now. I've no I did have one night where I planned out a book in my head whilst falling asleep. And I think it was great. I woke up the next day and I'd forgotten all of it. <laughs> right. But it's there. It's in your subconscious and it's there. And if it's a book that is calling you to write it, then it's gonna pop back up. We shall see. Right. We and it may pop be. back up as a result of this conversation, right? Well, so we're having this discussion just days after Alex Hermosi has had that huge book launch for $100 million leads. And uh, everything that you're talking about, I'm kind of relating back to that. And I, I've been going through yeah. the uh, the free course in lieu of the book having come yet. And uh, I know he's a marketing genius. Uh, right. For him to have that massive presentation and then to say it's all free. don't think anybody expected that, so... An interesting spectacle and a, a total anomaly, obviously. Talk to me about your personal development and like the spirituality kind of work that you do and how that's affected you and your journey and your career. For me, it's a lot to do with my internal guidance and my own intuition. So, and, and, and creativity and spirituality, I'm not talking about religion, right? So people can take this and put it in whatever box they want to. But just from a spiritual, intuitive, creative place, it's all kind of the same for me. It's all wrapped up together. When I'm more creative, I'm more intuitive, and I feel more in touch with guidance, with spirit, with um, guidance for my life, right? Prayers answered. If I'm not intuitive or if I'm not open to that higher power, and my creativity shuts down. They're all connected. Um, for me, walking is the best thing that opens that up for me. Uh, walking, prayer. I, I'm not a great meditator, um, but I do 
listen. And I think when we can do that, we're in touch with our intuitive self. And then that opens up our business. It opens up how we're going to go get clients. It opens up new ways to connect with the market. It opens up what our next steps are, what direction we should go. And do I get it wrong? All the time. But the closer I'm in touch with that, the quicker I can autocorrect, make changes, not beat myself up. You know, sometimes I make the best decision I can make for myself and my team in the moment. And then outside circumstances, change it. I have to make a different decision, right? We can react quicker to the outside world, more in that flow we are. And I think that's a skill we all need right now because the outside world seems to be changing very, very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I really like the idea, ideology possibly, of living in to out as opposed to out to in. Because if you're always having outside external circumstances affecting how you feel about yourself, you don't know how you feel about yourself on a daily basis. Right. Whereas if you can have that be centered in yourself and know how you feel about you and what you do and you can go to bed at night feeling like you've done good, nobody can take that away from you. Whereas if somebody's called you a bitch for something you said or a dick and you're like, ow, that hurts. Like that's no way to live, <laughs> you know, because that could happen at any point and it could just destroy how you you feel your self-esteem so being yeah. centered very important and i can imagine the walking that you do helps with that centeredness right it does and you know social media has destroyed our sense of self in so many ways because it's all that outside validation all the time and mm. you know the truth is the older we get the more we realize it's never about us it's always about someone else they're calling you names or it's not about the life you're living you, usually it's always about what else is what other people are going through you're doing the best you can living a good life the best you can and other people are throwing names at you it's usually about them right it's not yeah. personal usually not personal so the more centered we can be the more we can just let it go and realize wow that person's having a hard day or wow that person's really angry um, but it doesn't change who we are and the fact that we are here on the planet for a purpose and we deserve to be here yeah well, one of my favorite quotes is from tom billy and he says the only thing that truly matters is how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself because even if bad something terrible happened to you, if you assume the role of a victim, you're going to get people around you saying it's all right and they'll be supportive. But when you go to sleep at night and it's just you in your own head and you've got that victim mentality, that's still not beneficial. That's not going to help you. So you have right. to feel good about how you are without anyone else's input. And then if other people like you for doing that, bonus <laughs> right and it's really hard not to have a victim mentality when you have a hard year or things go wrong in your life right well that's the irony i think is that the victim mentality perpetuates things going wrong whereas if you take control over your how you're thinking how you're feeling 
you are in a much better spot to then change those circumstances and stop things possibly going bad quite as much. Well, not just in business, but in life, right? Things are, no. life is up and down. People die, get divorced, you know, uh, then we got fires and all kinds of crazy weather, you know, things, bad things happen. Um, and we are sometimes victims to those things. And what I hear you saying is how you respond to it, how you react to it, how you have your mindset around that can help you feel like you have a little more control over the situation rather than just, oh, poor me, right? And I think that's one of the lessons that we all learn in life because life isn't all going to be perfect. You know, life is always uh, giving us what we need for us, right? So maybe it is always perfect, but it doesn't always feel perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So what advice would you give a young Michelle now? Like if you could speak to your 20-year-old self, knowing everything you know now, what would you say to yourself then? Ah, Apart from um, go walking. That's, you're not allowed to say go walking because that's no. too easy. I want to better answer yeah. than that. So the thing that I notice about myself is I don't give up because I've never really given up, but I've changed course sometimes too quickly. So um, sometimes it takes longer to get where you want to go than you think. So for me, it would be just hang hang in there longer without taking a tangent or a right turn. Just stay the course, right? I hate that um, terminology, but really it, it that is true so for me i would say just hang in there keep doing what you're doing you don't need to veer off um instead of veering off find a different way to be creative and just keep doing what you're doing and don't take tangents it just takes longer than you think and you have a whole lifetime to get there yeah absolutely i think that at least when i was early 20s i felt the pressure to get my life in order and here I am at 33 and I still don't really feel totally sorted I feel a lot more sorted than I did then but I also I think 30 is a big turning point like you kind of see past the fact that like when you're 20 you feel like getting to 30 is going to be old then you get to 30 you're like actually this ain't so bad I've got quite a while let's explore let's do things let's try different things but like I said, you have to stick with whatever it is that you've decided to do long enough that you can reap the, the rewards. Right. Absolutely. And final thing I w- wanted to talk about, tell me about your TEDx experience and what was that like? So it's a while ago now, I think eight years, um, nine years. So it was terrifying. <laughs> it was terrifying. I got put on in the last minute. I didn't have a lot of time to practice. I didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Um, if I were to do it again, I presume I would do it differently and do it better, but who knows? Um, I was scared to death to do it. I tried to get out of it, and my friends and family, you know, luckily kept me on track. And then I did it, and I was fine. I was like, oh, I did that. And so it's one of the things about pressing through your own internal fears and internal self-doubt that just keep going no matter 
um, you know, how successful you think you are or whatever, you still have self-doubt. You still have things come up. And for me, just pressing through it, doing the best I could do in the moment and getting on the other side of it was like, wow, I did that. How cool is that? And so it was an internal validation that I can do things that even I get scared about doing, right? Um, I talked a lot about procrastination and when is it timing or procrastination. And sometimes it's not procrastination. Sometimes it's we just need more information before we can make a good decision. And I still believe all those concepts. I still follow those concepts that sometimes it's procrastination, sometimes it's timing, sometimes you need more information, and sometimes you're just freaking procrastinating. And we have to discern inside of ourselves which is right, and we need tools to help us understand when we need to push through or when we need to pull back and really look at the situation. So I would do it again in a heartbeat, and... Um, I'm glad I did it and I'm glad it's over. <laughs> kind of like childbirth, possibly? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are there any plans to do another at all? Um, I don't have plans right now, but never say never. And I am, um, I've done other kinds of video presentations um, in the last few years, but not in person because COVID sort of wiped some of that out. And now it's coming back. We'll see what's next. Amazing. Well, Michelle, thank you very much for joining me today. Can you tell anyone watching and listening where they can find more about you, what yeah. you offer in terms of the, the publishing company and coaching, and where to find all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so go to michellecoaches.com. That's Michelle with two L's, and it takes you to a page where you can book a free call with me. You can text me, you can find me on social, michellecoaches.com. And really, I just like to connect with people. And, you know, if you're thinking about writing a book or need some marketing coaching or some coaching about what's next for you and your business, just connect with me and we'll see if it's a match or not. I, I've been doing this long enough. I don't have to do real high sales pressure or anything. I just like to connect with people and see if there's a match and if there is one we'll forward together. Amazing. Sounds very holistic and natural. Yeah. Organic. Yeah. Organic. That's how it should be. Perfect. That's the that's the approach that I like. I don't like all those high pressure sales tactics. Nobody does, right? Nobody does. Yeah. Pulling pulling tricks to get people to agree to things that they're not really in into. That doesn't sound like a good way to run a business to me. Well, it doesn't sound no. like you're going to get good reviews for doing that. You know what I mean? Well, it, it, it's not going to be sustainable, mm. right? Yeah, it's, it's short-sighted. Right. Sustainable is find the people you want to work with and want to work with you and go from there. That's my, that's my, that's my marketing plan. <laughs> it's a great marketing plan, really. <laughs> Might take longer than getting some quick sales, but quick sales aren't all that. You want the people that are go you're going to have a long-term relationship right. with. Awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you for joining me. Did you have any last words? I thought you were about to say something. No, I was going to say it's been fabulous being here. I'm going to pop across the pond and visit your side of the, the ocean here shortly, and I can't wait. And it's been fabulous being here with you. Perfect. Thank you very much. And... For you watching and listening, keep being rad.